0: This is The Truth Booth, and I am your host, Gorda Tamayo. Welcome to the spot where we go head-to-head with some of the most difficult conversations. We're talking about the type that sometimes can't even be discussed at the dinner table, or not welcome in the institutional setting, or maybe can't even be discussed with the best friend. Everything from spirituality, sexuality, religion, politics, music, culture, family, and so much more. Get ready for some uncut and raw conversation that helps us get to the truth of the matter because we believe that the truth will set you free. Let's get it. This episode strikes particularly a strong chord for myself, partly based on my past and how I used to be on one side of the coin where I was constantly pushing and promoting and instigating a lifestyle of sexual perversion, of drugs, of alcohol of chaos, and so that is one of the reasons why I invited the guest that I am going to have on today, because I wanted to address what many believe and what many talk about as simply conspiracy theory, but those of us that are paying attention or looking into it even more can attest to the fact that it isn't just a conspiracy theory. Uh, Sexual exploitation is taking place in massive amounts and has been for a very, very long time. Much of what we're seeing today is a massive sexualization of everything on the planet. Perhaps this has been going on for for longer than we can even imagine, but with uh, technology advancing the way that it is, the internet exploding onto the scene, it's bringing to light more of what's going on behind the scenes and how it trickles into these facets of life that many of us have turned a blind eye to or maybe even haven't even heard of happening before. And so very often it's the topic that people don't want to discuss, they don't want to shed any light on it for the sake of not looking like they're crazy or not being ostracized because the majority of our population in our world, they subscribe to the mentality that it's a free-for-all, that it's okay to celebrate chaos, it's okay to celebrate perversion, and that shouldn't be the case, but as time has gone on, we see ourselves living in a world that openly accepts sexual perversion. It openly accepts the misuse and abuse of something that was meant to be holy, and now we see it being desecrated in so many different ways, in so many different fashions, and even celebrated when it's being done, and we see it happening in in a certain format through media, like in in music, for example. The entertainment industry is just chock full of perversion in music videos, in movies, in magazines, etc., but it's been pitched as this cool thing it's been pitched as this idea that it's okay to do and people are monetizing off of it so much that anybody that goes against that mainstream view is looked at as a prude or square or whatever you want to call dub somebody that's not okay with flagrant abuse and exploitation and so that's kind of the mentality behind what was causing us to jump on this particular topic and i think we're just we're just scratching the surface here with this particular interview, but it's the hopes that in beginning this discussion about it, it will shed some light on the fact that, hey, this is a very real thing that happens in this planet. This thing is happening all around us. We should be paying attention about what's going in our eardrums, what's going in front of our eyeballs, and equally as important, you know, what we're allowing those that we influence and those that we are responsible for to be impacted by as well. And I'm talking about our children. They are massively influenced by media and entertainment. And social media, technology, and we need to be the ones that are looking out for them. We need to be the ones that are looking out for the indicators that are showcasing that there's an intentional plot, there's an intentional attack against the home, against the family unit, against something that is pure, against something that is holy, against something that is good, against something that, that shouldn't be perverted. And so, you know, I would caution you for that. I know myself personally, you know, I've experienced moments where I've had stuff happen, you know, where my kids are watching something so innocent and then all of a sudden an ad pops up or something else that is not appropriate for a kid. And, you know, anybody that understands algorithms and understands how analytics work on the back end know that if something like that's occurring, it's very intentional. These are these things that are programmed in place for certain audiences. It's things that are intentionally built that way. And so it's no surprise that we see the, the flagrant, the rapid rise of chaos going in in our world because the mind's being polluted constantly and so that's where we're going into it today i invited this particular guest on here because i don't claim to be an expert in this particular arena but again hoping to shed some light and open the conversation so people can begin to see that this is a very real dilemma that's occurring right in our own backyard i'm just gonna jump right into the deep end of the pool here with this one but i want to introduce megan ray bell how you doing today megan
1: I'm pretty amazing, man. I can't complain. How are
0: you? Good deal. I'm doing pretty fabulous myself. It's a good day to be alive. So, hey, I'm, I'm I want to just jump right into it. Like I said, I'm going to jump into the deep end of the pool here and talk about one of the elephants in the room. We got a lot of stuff that's going on currently in our society. It seems like just the world's imploding on itself, right? With everything that's happening, and one of those areas specifically that we seem to hear about here and there, but at the same token, you know, we see it kind of getting brushed under the rug a little bit and kind of sidestepped, and and not a whole lot of people want to talk about this. So I want to bring it up, and I want to talk about is this mainly just conspiracy, as many people like to don it, or is there a legitimate concern for this particular topic, which kind of segues into a couple different spaces that I'm going to dig into, and that's specifically around sex trafficking, and it also ties into the the, the big stuff that's going on, talking talks that's taking place right now, Hollywood's well known for it with pedophilia and how it, it transcends into that space as well and how this is all, all connected. But Megan, before I jump into a little bit of your story and why I asked you to, to get on the phone with me here, which thank you once again for doing this. I know this is not an easy topic to discuss, much less for somebody to really dive into that's had some firsthand experience in some of the space as well. But I want to hear from you as well. Is sex trafficking just conspiracy? Or is it a legitimate thing that's happening right in backdoor America?
1: So as a sex trafficking survivor myself, I can assure you that this is happening every single second of every single day in every single neighborhood. Um, so it's not just something that just randomly popped out of the sky. It's, it's been happening you know, since the USA even began, um, we started on the sex trade. So I'm happy, honestly, that it's coming to light and it's time to come to light and it's all in God's time and it's, time is now.
0: Yeah, no doubt. It, it, it just seems like the, the, the light's kind of being exposed uh, or the light's exposing, I should say, darkness right now. And it's like coming out of the woodwork, just rapid fire right now, which which I think is phenomenal as well. Um, It's said that the United States is known as the number one consumer of sex worldwide Which means that you know, we're a big part of what's fueling the demand for this type of thing And I didn't really realize that myself until I started digging into some of the statistics behind it And I was like, wow, like this is really really a huge dilemma that's happening right in our backyard When we we talk about estimates, right, about victims of sex trafficking Obviously, you know, we're not getting the whole picture because Not everybody comes forward and says, hey, this is what I've been experiencing. This is what I'm going through. What are some of the things that that keep people from coming forward and speaking to what they're experiencing and going through?
1: Yeah, so a lot of it is like who is going to actually believe me? Um, So when I fled my trafficker, the police were actually going to send me back to his house because they didn't believe me. Um, Another thing is a lot of um, judges will try you try us for prostitution and we were we weren't you know doing it because we wanted to we were doing it because we had to or we were forced to um to do so so yeah those are the two main main things that people don't really talk about it and i guess the third would be just you're ashamed you're embarrassed that you went through that you don't want to tell people
0: you mentioned shaming and that being something that keeps people into a state of silence and, and not willing to come forward and look for help, being willing to just speak out against somebody because maybe they don't they don't have any resources, they don't know where to go, they don't know the next step, and some of them may have been um, trapped up into this space unknowingly, you know, like yourself potentially here. you would have to tell me a little bit more about your story here, but that leads into the question of this whole process of grooming. And... Talk to me a little bit about that. Like, what does that process look like? For, obviously, it's going to be a little bit different for everybody, right? But talk to me about like what that looks like and how that takes place to where somebody can walk into something that they really don't know what they're getting into, only to find themselves knee deep into something they shouldn't.
1: So grooming is really getting to know your victim. So that trafficker or that pimp is really, um, you know, researching, digging in. What makes you tick? What makes you more sensitive? What gets you can emotional? Uh, what are your triggers? So like, they, they really, really, um, they could groom you for like six months to a year. And that means like taking you out on dates. Um, it's, it's like a Romeo pimp, which is my experience, uh, my trafficker with my boyfriend. Um, so he really took me out on dates, bought me all the things, sold me this life, um, a family, a home, gave me this dream. And they really approached the vulnerable, the naive, the poor, the young. But they never felt love. So it's hard. You know, to go from that to a man like showering with gifts and love, and just like really wanting to get to know you, but you don't really know his real intentions um, of of grooming.
0: So, so somebody that gets into that place, like for you, speaking from your experience, like how how did you get from that place to finally saying, "Wow, this is what's really going on," and I don't know if it was an epiphany that happened. I don't know if it was somebody that pointed it out. Like, what was it that got you to a place of being trapped up into this world to realize I need out.
1: Yeah. So my whole experience was, I loved, I loved him. He was my boyfriend. He was a rapper. I just fell head over heels for him. Um, and it was slowly. And I hear this in every single story. It's like, it all happened so fast. So they use violence and fear and threats, intimidation, and really abuse, um, to get their victims to do what they need to do. Um, So the the point that really broke me was actually my trafficker's best friend's brother looked me in the eyes one night and we were out for sushi because he was trying to make me feel good after, um, you know, pimping me out for the night. So he'd bring me to places that made me feel happy. And his friend told me, he he looked me right in the eyes and I believe this is God. He was like, Megan, if you're not happy, you know, you can leave. And something really dawned on me when he said that. I was like, well, can leave because you're so controlled and manipulated that you feel like you can't and you're not worthy anymore and that no one will love you again. And you just feel dirty. That that's a real word I would use. You just don't feel like anyone will love you again. Um so when he said that, that was like a click for me. And that's not the time that I actually left, but that was something that kind of helped me to leave. Um my escape story is kind of gruesome if I'm allowed to share it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you're you're open to share it. Please do.
1: It was the tail end, so I was groomed for about six months, trafficked for six months, so a full year in total. I had just gotten home, and I did something wrong. I have PTSD, so it helped, It blocks out a lot of the, the bad memories, which is good for my own mental, you know, stability. But I don't really remember why he was upset. But I remember him just punching me and kicking me and. I had a gun to my head, like a knife to my throat. He he cracked a bottle of Stoli over my head. And I just remember blacking out. I woke up and he was like, clean up your own blood. And I remember like literally crawling to the shower. And I just like sat in the bath for a long time. And I just talked to God. And that next day he had gone somewhere. I think think he went to get laundry with his mom and something clicked inside of me. And it was like, okay, it's time to go. Like, this is your time and you're going to get out. And I had stored $40 in the back of a broken BlackBerry because I couldn't have my phone. I couldn't have money, nothing. And I had hidden it. And I'm so happy that he never found it because I was able to escape. And I ran to the nearest store and I ended up running to um, T-Mobile, which is really weird <laughs> how everything unfolds. And they allowed me to call the cops and you know hang in the back in the store in, in Queens until and, and so the cops came and. And that's how I escaped the cops. Like I said, we're going to take me back initially to his house, but I begged them to take me to a cab company because my friend was kind of close by. And that cab fare was exactly $40, exactly the same amount as I had on me.
0: So that, that makes me think of another question that I want to throw out for you for maybe people that are family members, friends, et cetera, indicators to look out for. Like what, what are the indicators to, to look out for um of somebody that you think of that may be experiencing a situation like this
1: so as far as my situation isolation was the biggest red flag because i am such a family person and i call my mom on the like daily twice three times a day when i was in college in new york and i just stopped calling them i was it was more of a scheduled call like he'd tell me when to call my family so that's the number one sign is like Why is she not calling me? She normally calls me at this time. Like your routine.
0: Yeah.
1: In isolation. As they're claiming that they have all these excessive gifts all of a sudden. That they're going out um, late at night and they're doing drugs or drinking. That's abnormal. For me, I was out all night. I was bragging about all these modeling events. But they weren't real modeling events. They're all fake for him. Mm -hmm. And I was bragging about this. So that was a red flag for me initially. um, Not being uh, in control of their life. Of their traveling. If they're not looking you in the eye, they feel nervous or like they're being watched, like almost anxious and depressed a lot. Anything like unexplained injury is obviously a branding tattoo. I have my my pimp brand on, on my body still. One day I will I will take it off. But the gaps in schooling, like I failed out of college while I was with him, so that would have been a red flag too. But my family didn't know. No one knows about trafficking, right?
0: You went from a place when you were, you know, madly in love with this person and they were just treating you so well to now on this other deep end where, you know, they're shopping you around at at one point in time. You know, I seen something that you had shared a little bit ago, where you had a picture of yourself. And, you know, it was uh, something that maybe you thought was a, a modeling picture at one point in time, only to find out that it was a picture that they were using to shop you around. When did you when did that occur? And when did you see that and think otherwise that something different was going on? Or how did that whole transition take place from girlfriend to now slave of this person and being pimped out
1: yeah so he always told me like you're going to be the biggest model ever and i'm going to be this rapper and we're going to be this power couple that was a you know a whole dream that me we had together and he would bring me to these places for photo shoots and i was cool with it as long as he was there and you know i felt comfortable and he was in the you know the rap industry so i did a lot of like vixen modeling and a lot of that's in like lingerie and i was at that time in my life i was okay with that and he didn't tell me, obviously, at the time that he was going to use this on Backpage. Thankfully, Backpage, um, side note, is not on the web at all anymore. Um, so the, the biggest point was the abuse. So he started with the abuse. And he would say, well, if you don't do this, then you don't love me. And he would threaten me with my, my family's address books and, like, show The address book and say if you don't do this you know for us and our dream and our future then i'll go up to maine and kill your family so it wasn't like a oh babe can you go and have sex with other people and get paid for it It was more of like you have to do this or i'll kill people Uh Um, so it was a lot of abuse and threats so that's how it kind of moved from the boyfriend and girlfriend we did move in together and it was slowly trickling um the abuse the intimidation the threats the fear So he built that up in me he would lock me in closets just for punishment so i was really controlled like it was it's it's really insane to even like really think back to that point in my life i feel like it's a movie a little bit
0: yeah no it definitely sounds like something you'd see on a movie many people you know they think of oh i wouldn't fall into that i'm not that dumb i wouldn't make such a mistake that way and in reality like i don't think anybody's You know, in a position where they can never say that, hey, I couldn't be susceptible to falling into such a trap or a similar trap. Is that true?
1: That's very true. People always are like, well, why didn't you just leave? I'm like, well, why why don't you just come into my situation and you try to leave? Uh, But it's not like that. It's like any domestic violence case. You always hear the same thing. I just couldn't leave.
0: Yeah.
1: Honestly, I felt like I was being watched. And I probably was. I feel like he paid the neighbors upstairs to watch me to make sure I didn't leave um i didn't have keys anyways but yeah i just felt like i couldn't leave i, I was watched i obviously didn't have any money mm-hmm. and i was he had me addicted to cocaine too which is another thing that traffickers do is they, they get you
0: removing any kind of resource that you have drugging you up to numb you up and um and just isolating you from from the rest of society until and, and they need to use you for whatever purpose
1: yeah and i, I fell out of college too so he's like now what are you gonna do right.
0: like
1: no one's. You had sex with all these people and you fell out of college your family doesn't even call you anymore i just remember him saying all these like awful awesome things to me and it i almost i tried to commit suicide one night and that was the hardest thing i ever had to share for the first time because i am super embarrassed by that because i'm such a positive person uh-huh. so for me to say like i try to commit suicide it doesn't even feel right to come out of my mouth um but yeah it's just you just you go to like the lowest place you could possibly think of and that's what i the traffickers try to make
0: you feel like wow yeah you were broken at that point yeah completely I'm, I'm looking at a lot of things that are taking place here currently in our culture through media and you know i don't i don't know if you feel the same way that that i do in this particular space or other people that are listening right now but i see a, a hyper sexualization of everything that's being distributed to audiences and it seems to be getting younger and younger with the material and the products that are being pushed, what do you think when you see, you know, some of the stuff that's getting thrown out? and Some people think it's crazy talk, but then you see people sharing videos about, you know, the stuff with the troll dolls and the LL doll negligees that are being revealed under cold water with uh, certain tats and emblems on them. Uh, you know, the cutie show that's about eleven-year-olds twerking um, for cash, etc. Like. What are your thoughts seeing the massive push for sexuality and sexualization in today's culture?
1: So our you know, our top authorities, our government, our celebrities, they really want to make, you know, adolescents not in this anymore. They don't want that. They want to sexualize them. That's their goal. I that's my true honest opinion. And You Know having these dolls and like even like Disney movies, if you really watch them, and you hear them. Mm-hmm. A lot of the jokes are, are adult jokes, and it's like, why are you even having this on a kids' show? Right? Um, so I've been more aware as a mother, just like with the LOL dolls, I actually threw Bellas out. Like, I'm not, I'm not for it. Um, they're already dressed kind of you know, mm-hmm. risky <laughs> as far as that goes, but yeah, I just. I'm not for it. I believe everything's happening for a a reason right now. The cuties, you know, Netflix. Even when I was a cheerleader in high school, you had to wear red lipstick in a competition. So to me, that's not really new. The twerking part is new, but not the whole being sexy in a dance. Because even, you know, when I was in high school, we did that.
0: Which I, I guess it goes back to what you were saying earlier, that like this kind of stuff's been going on for a long, long time. And perhaps, like... Internet and technology and the way the world's communicating now is it's just bringing like to light that this stuff is occurring more now because of that. You know, now we're seeing the stories coming out with with Epstein and, you know, all the, the stuff with people that he was connected with and a lot of stuff that's going through the media that some people are just kind of brushing over. And we're kind of getting, I guess, bombarded by other news that kind of makes it seem less relevant, but it very much is a crisis that's occurring in the country. I mean, when you're talking about 12,000 people being human trafficked last year, large chunk of those people being kids as well, then that does signal red flags that there's a problem out there. But why don't we talk about it? Like, why aren't people talking about it? What do you think?
1: A lot of people think it's too risky. Like, I was told yeah, myself in Maine, like, this is too risky. You don't want to talk about it. But I'm like, you need to talk about it because I'm a survivor and it happens if you don't educate and prevent our youth. is going to continue to happen over and over and over again. Um, but I think it's just because it's... If you say the word sex anyways, people are like, oh. Right. Um, but I say sex trafficking, which is, you know, under human trafficking. Um, human trafficking has labor and sex trafficking together. Right. Um, so that's what makes up human trafficking. So, yeah, when I say human trafficking, I guess it's more politically correct. Sure. But I like sex trafficking because it makes sense to me in my story.
0: Yeah, no. And based on stats that I was looking at, too the majority of those cases that are designated human trafficking, they are sex trafficking. In relation to, I guess, I don't want to get nitty-gritty on definitions per se here, but for the sake of educating audiences, I think it's necessary. Talk to me about the difference between selling sex versus trafficked for sex.
1: Yeah, so if you are selling sex and you are willingly doing that for an income, that's considered prostitution to me. Um, sex trafficking occurs when someone uses force, fraud, of origin, um, pretty much to have a sex act with an adult or a minor, mm-hmm. and you get paid for it. So it involves money. Um, my own terms, uh, my own term of visit of sex trafficking is selling a human body for money or for or for profit. Um, that's my own you know, definition. But.
0: We see a lot of stuff, a lot of stories that that end up getting shared around around um, different types of. Industries, different types of businesses that that we see a, much of this type of stuff occurring. Um, what would you say is is an area of of industry or commerce where we see such a widespread um, contribution to making this stuff occur?
1: Yeah, so it's definitely the demand. So uh, a lot of them are, you know, businessmen or just college students. It, it ranges anywhere as far as a John goes. Um, so it's definitely the the supply and demand type of um, you know business, and then you have the porn industry, which is huge as well, because you're trafficking, you know, teens and children and women. Uh, even doing porn, they're forced to do it. So that's another you know form of that as far as the U.S. goes.
0: And this ain't a thing that's just uh, isolated to women as well, right? Like you hear cases of of guys, of boys, right, going through the same type of thing.
1: Say around eighty percent are women, twenty percent. But hey, like that's only on paper, honestly. Exactly. So you know, I don't even know how accurate those numbers that we even you know have on paper are. Right. Because a lot of us same
0: Yeah, exactly. Thanks, Megan, for sharing all that there. I wanna I wanna leave listeners with the final note, and that's about like anybody that's listening to this that knows somebody that's going through it themselves, like. What kind of hope would you leave somebody with or inspiration you'd leave somebody with to say, hey, that you're not alone, that there is a way out, that there are resources to help either a loved one or help yourself. What would you give to somebody listening today?
1: Yeah, so I would definitely say you need to focus on God, a hundred percent. Know that you're valued, your purpose, and you're worthy and that you can get out. There is a way out and you can help your community just by spreading awareness and educating. So that's what I would definitely you know, say to our audience.
0: Tonight. I appreciate it. Thanks, Megan, for joining us. If somebody was to want to connect with you and reach out to you online, is there a spot they can reach you up?
1: Yeah, so it'd be at Angel Warrior May, Mae.
0: Angel Warrior Mae. Yeah. Gotcha. Appreciate it. Thanks once again, Megan. We appreciate for having you on. You have a good day. Thank
1: you so much. Me too.